0: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Mind the Health Gap.
1: Yes, guys. Welcome. How are you, man?
0: I'm great. How are you?
1: Good, thank so you. How's your week been? Well, I'm on reading week, so I'm technically reading, quote-unquote. Catching up with work, guys, I, I let No, I actually am, because it's, it's been a lot, bruh. What about you?
0: Um, I don't have reading week until next week, so I'm still in Wait. the
1: gutters. <laughs> Why is it next? Never mind. LSC are different. Very but so are you gonna
0: outline what we're gonna to do today? Of
1: course, this yeah, week? guys. Uh, this this is our second episode of the infectious diseases in a 21st century theme, and this week we are focusing on the Ebola virus disease, or just Ebola, and the lessons we can learn from the past. We're gonna try and contextualize it based on what we spoke about last week, but also the 2014 Ebola crisis and how it's impacting the current ongoing ebola crisis in drc as usual we're going to split this into two parts the first part will focus uh similar to the coronavirus episode on like public health um the public health epidemiological side of uh ebola virus disease or ebola which can i just say ebola because saying ebola virus disease is long yeah okay (laughs) we can allow you to do that okay anyways and the way it's addressed in global health as well as how it's experienced how your lived experience informs the theory with we'll discuss and the second part which muhammad will address will focus on uh the the ebola outbreak and compare it to coronavirus in the way that it's considered culturally uh but also compare it to the previous outbreak the 2014 one to the one going on now in DRC does that sound okay perfect okay go on
0: let's start so oh right I'm gonna ask you questions on the timeline of actually how the Ebola outbreak in 2014 happened yeah it happened in West Africa yeah and uh, we just want to outline
1: of. What it actually similar to the coronavirus exactly um okay so the way it happened uh first of all i just want to say like the 2013 to 20 like 15 slash 16 ebola virus outbreak was the largest outbreak in western africa and longest recorded um the first case was actually unidentified boy, he was aged two years old and he became ill on the 28th of December 2013 in a remote Guinean village in Milandiu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm right. so sorry if anyone's from Guinea. Um, and then the only thing about this, like, deep how long, and we'll come back to this point, deep how long it took for it to be declared. Um, uh, a public health emergency of international concern so it was only so from the first case yeah that happened in 2013 they only declared it a public health uh, emergency of international concern on the 8th of august in 2014 are you deep in that mo are you actually deep in that
0: i'm not i'm not surprised but at the same time i am
1: <laughs> so that happened um and when they declared it the emergency then that was the first time no that wasn't the first time It was the third time uh such an emergency had been declared the fourth being zika and i'm guessing the coronavirus was probably like the fifth or sixth one um and then on the 20 20th of january 2016 um the world health organization reported approximately 200 no, 200 Twenty eight thousand listen Iran, 000, it's been right? it's been a long day okay twenty eight thousand six hundred and two confirmed cases uh of Ebola and including eleven thousand three hundred and one fatal cases so either resulting in like death or yeah mainly death yeah mm. uh and then a a lot the the ebola outbreak in a country was declared like forty would be declared 42 days after the blood of the country's last confirmed case has been tested twice, negative for the virus. Um, However, after who declared like the end of, hang on, on the 14th of January 2016, who declared Liberia to be free of transmission? Uh, And so the outbreak had ended. But then one day later, who confirmed the presence of a new Ebola case in Sierra Leone a country that had been free of ebola transmission on the 29th of december uh 2015 obviously during the outbreak there was small um number of cases reported in mali nigeria so surrounding countries mali nigeria uh senegal um and beyond western africa so in italy and spain i remember when that nurse came back in the, in UK. the uk right it was yeah all over the news and everyone was like oh Ebola!" i was like yeah okay um yeah and that was it um uh, Oh yeah, and Northern Ireland as well, and the USA. Most of them health workers. It wasn't like general public. It was mainly health workers, if I'm correct. Do you um, think
0: that was probably a reason why it took so long for the um, WHO to declare her a public declare a public health um, emergency of international yeah.
1: concern? There were many reasons why I feel like it took the the World Health Organization so long to declare it. Um, perhaps that was one of them. Um, I think as well, the lack of urgency from local governments might have been a contributing factor. Um, and also just because of how quickly a lot of international organizations flooded within these regions, there seemed to be some sort of containment. In, and because of the lack of clarity in research, um there wasn't really an un- understanding or awareness of like the severity of like <laughs> the cases or or the epidemiology of the disease in the area or how quickly it was being spread. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or why? Or even an understanding of why it was spreading so quickly. It was literally like, "Oh my God, there's this problem. We're gonna go in. We all go in. Everyone's doing the same thing, but not coordinating." Exactly. And, and that then that was everything. One yeah. Of the whole...
0: A whole review was done after this, and 100 that was one of the main reasons everything was so fragmented, yeah, between the NGOs and the central governments, yeah. So, before we get to that, yeah, um, do you want to tell our audience what Ebola, Ebola is because not many people know, yeah, and not many people know where it originates from, and sure, how it's transmitted,
1: sure. So, okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Ebola virus, uh causes like an acute serious illness which which when if it's not treated it like, can lead to fatality as in you die uh it appeared in go on
0: yeah and we said last week just for our listeners yeah it's much more i think the mortality rates are much more greater than in coronavirus yeah so it's much more oh a
1: hundred percent a hundred like in the second part i will definitely interrogate muhammad more so unlike the treat yeah i <laughs> <laughs> the treatment of like how just generally globally in food and through the media how, how we view both diseases because i feel like whilst there are a lot of similarities there are some very like specific nuances yeah exactly. um but anyways as i was saying so ebola is not a new disease it first appeared in 1976 with two simultaneous outbreaks in what is now south sudan and drc which was back then known as Zaire. Am I saying it
0: right? Yeah.
1: Um, The one, the outbreak that occurred in Zaire is what led to Ebola being given its name because it was named after the Ebola River in Congo. So as I said before, the 2014, it's really the 2013, 2016 outbreak in West Africa was the largest since the virus was discovered. Uh, it started in Guinea, then it moved across land borders to Sierra Leone and Liberia. The current up twenty nineteen no twenty eighteen slash two twenty twenty outbreak in eastern DIC is incredibly complex with insecurity adver- um, affecting public health responses and activities. But we'll get onto that with Mohamed. Um, So, there's actually, like, six species of the Ebola virus that's been identified. The most common one would be the Ebola virus um, species, and most of, like, the outbreaks from, like, 1976, if, we might link it for you guys, it, like, who shows, like, the chronology of, like, the different outbreaks, and you'll see that it's attributable to this species. Um... Ebola virus is zoonotic and this just means that it's transferred from animals to humans, uh, which is 100% certain, unlike the coronavirus where there's well, much... It's still very much speculative. yeah. yeah. Um, it's thought that fruit bats are natural hosts of Ebola. Um, it's introduced into humans, um, into the human population through p- close contact with blood secretions organs or other bodily fluids of infected animals like i mentioned fruit bats, chimpanzees gorillas monkeys forest antelope porcupines found ill or dead in the rainforest um and i think uh bushmeat was quite a big thing when that was banned banned, uh during the 2013 bushmeat is literally like monkeys and stuff in it um i don't want to speak on west Afri- africans but i guess it's something that's eaten
0: yeah it's a delicacy
1: okay um yeah e- ebola is then spread through human to human transmission via direct contact. so like broken skin or mucus membranes. so like as i mentioned blood body fluids that kind of stuff um if you touch objects with it again you can get it uh health workers have will w- have often been um infected while treating patients with do you mind?
0: <laughs> Sorry, man, just laptop just went off.
1: With or suspected um uh Ebola. See you completely threw me off now
0: health workers health
1: work thank you uh it also occurs when like health protocols aren't being followed so people not washing hands properly etc etc like you remember when when it when it out broke they would wear like that those like ghosts masks ghosts oh my god i actually can't english today the face mask you know the body suits as well the white (laughs) ones yeah um that kind of stuff um what else am i saying a large thing which Mohammed and I will come back to in the second part was like the burial ceremonies. Um
0: And that has so many connotations Yeah. it's a ritual done by a lot of women. Which is yeah. It's it's, gendered. Yeah. There's so much there's so much layers there's to it. And so
1: many layers to it, but unfortunately and I don't wanna say they they attributed to it, but they kinda did. Um burial ceremonies especially that involve direct contact with the body of the disease can also contribute to the transmission of ebola but as i said we'll come back to that so and people will remain um infectious as long as the virus is in their blood uh pregnant women who do get ebola and recover from the disease can still carry the virus in their breast milk so they can pass it on to their kids or um in pregnancy related fluids and tissues so <sighs> women who become pregnant after surviving ebola are not at risk at carrying the disease um and also like there's a lot of support around women who if they do get ebola and they want to breastfeed they will be supported in how to do so but her breastfeed needs her breast milk needs to be tested um prior to her starting to breastfeed but yeah sorry that was really long-winded guys but that's literally everything you need to know about ebola go on
0: perfect um now the okay
1: take your time there
0: i'm just trying to
1: your laptop acting out so
0: yeah how's it treated
1: i think you need to ask me what my symptoms are <laughs> guys this week's the best for both of us it's fine go on
0: i mean yeah let's talk about the symptoms i mean it's
1: and what it actually does to the body um so the incubation period so that's like the time interval from like when you're infected with the virus to the onset of like symptoms symptoms is two to 21 days so that is quite long it is actually quite long so you could be walking around thinking you're fine my gee, carrier. Exactly. you have ebola and um a person infected with ebola cannot spread the disease until like they develop the symptoms i don't know that's that's even worse bro that, that's so scary
0: i mean in a way
1: it- yeah but that's that's the thing with the coronavirus. Remember, they were saying that people who are asymptomatic could... Well, it's not proved because that study was disregarded, but people who are asymptomatic could spread it's the... Still, yeah. yeah.
0: Which would make it... Because you, you can't control it. There's no A hundred percent. You don't know who's got... Who's got it or, sure not,
1: or not. Are you going to walk around asking people, hey, man, do you have Ebola? Exactly. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, anyway, so symptoms of Ebola can can be sudden and they include stuff like fever fatigue muscle pain headache and sore throat and what it does it actually does to your body is that you start vomiting uncontrollably you have diarrhea you have rash uh, you have symptoms of impaired kidney and liver function so increased amount of liver function which means that um not increased amount of liver function increased amount of liver enzymes which just means that a lot of your liver cells are either dying um or inflamed or dead all of them Uh, in some cases you have both internal and external bleeding Uh, for example using from gums or blood in stools a lot of the images we would see would like nosebleeds i don't know if you saw that um yeah what else uh The thing that caught me off guard like knowing what i know about ebola from previously but also putting together brief for this this episode is that um it's clinically difficult to distinguish ebola from other infectious diseases such as malaria typhoid typhoid fever and meningitis um also many symptoms of pregnancy surprisingly and ebola are quite similar so a lot of the time what health professionals would say particularly in that region is that you should test for um if you're pregnant and you suspect ebola you need to test like asap because it could just be that you're pregnant but it could also be that you're pregnant with ebola Does oh, that, make sense? that close? yeah oh. and i think this is quite this is another reason we sh- another reason something we should consider um i'll talk about it actually in a a few minutes but it's another potential health risk because if you're saying that this huge epidemic has come to your country and caused all these issues when you're whilst you're still fighting other infectious diseases like just deep how much of a mess that would be right um uh, where else was i um a lot of like diagnostic tests are done through like um um labs and stuff so i don't want to get too technical but a lot of like virus isolation cell culture elisa's that kind of stuff i don't know how technical you want me to be but pretty much just lab tests guys and then like who have their own like emergency use assessment and listing process again just lab tests um you can't actually use oral fluid specimens stored in from oral fluid specimen from deceased patients or blood collection, you can't use that apparently. And some samples that are collected from patients are extreme biohazard risk. So,
0: then, how is it if it's a biohazard risk, where do they go? Where do you place these, especially in a country where there's not much resources? Yeah, to get rid of yeah. toxic wastes.
1: Sorry, can you say that again, Mo? You're just really far from the mic. I feel like they can't hear you. Sorry. Yeah, my question was
0: if the, the if the substances from the fluid, fluids are toxic mm, biohazard. Uh, biohazard, mm-hmm. sorry. Ha- in a country where there's low income mm. and there isn't enough infrastructure mm, or resources, mm, mm. where do you, where do you get rid of these?
1: Well, so lab testing on these non-inactivated samples should really be like Conducted under maximum biological... Bio, wow, why can't I speak today? Biological containment. So all of them used to need to be like... When they are packaged, they use triple packaging. Uh, and the systems... So that in their transportation nationally and internationally, they're completely safe. Uh, yeah, and that's pretty much like symptoms what it does to your body, how it's diagnosed and how it's tested for... Uh, I'm going to answer the next question you asked me about how it's treated. Yep. So typically, supportive care. So during that, the 2013, the previous outbreak, a lot of it was mainly rehydration with oral or intravenous fluids. Um, and again, treatment of specific symptoms Im- to improve survival. So a lot of the bleeding, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, there is not yet like a proven treatment of Ebola virus disease um a range of like potential treatments include like blood products immune therapies drug therapies and a lot of these are currently being evaluated so um in the current 2018 2019 ebola outbreak in drc the first like multi-drug randomized trial is conducted to evaluate is being was conducted sorry
0: it was the experimental drug yeah
1: to conduct uh to evaluate sorry the effectiveness and safety of drugs used in the treatment of ebola patients and they used it under like um an ethical framework developed with like the people because it's experimental as you said and they also went in with like a experimental vaccine and it's be- it's proved to be highly protective against um against uh, um um Ebola virus in a major trial in 2015. So what they did is they studied the trial involving uh, approximately 12,000 people. I'm just rounding out numbers here guys. Uh and amongst like the 500 500 5,837 people who received vaccine, no Ebola cases were recorded for 10 or more days after the vaccination. Um however, in comparison there were 23 cases 10 days or more. After vaccination from those who didn't get the vaccine, so fingers are crossed if you guys want to know what the vaccine is called, it's called r v s v dash zebov <laughs> that's what it's called um oh yeah, and like pregnant pregnant women pregnant and breastfeeding women would have access to this vaccine uh under the same conditions as the general populations um again as i said initial data suggests that it's been highly effective and but whose strategic advisory group has stated that they need to assess you need to assess more and try and compare which ones are more effective less side effects all of that (sighs) all of that good stuff yeah
0: perfect my next question is um so what are your thoughts on um
1: So what are some of the health risks? Ah, uh, okay. Why did you pause for so long?
0: I <laughs> wanted to ask the question before, but then it made sense to ask this question first. Right, oh okay.
1: God. Oh, the English is just failing you. Oh. It's <laughs> been a long day. So it has. So as I mentioned before, like a lot of these countries... Like Ebola is not just happening in silo. It's not just this only disease that is at the forefront of their health systems. A lot of these countries are battling with um, other infectious diseases. So measles is a huge outbreak. Like measles is actually across the world right now because of the decline in vaccination rates, which is why you should go back and listen to our first theme on vaccinations. Um. <laughs> um. Again, weak health systems, as we highlighted with the coronavirus. Um, health health risks are not just for communities, but also like health workers. So if they don't follow hygiene protocols, i.e. Wash, basic hand washing, respiratory hygiene, the, the suits, protective equipment uh, to, block, to block out the splashes or contact with infected material, safe injection practices, and safe burial practice if they don't i don't want to say enforce because that's a cultural thing but um if they don't facilitate safe burial practices then a lot of it 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 will be quite um it would help yeah It it would be helpful to them but also not following it just puts themselves at risks uh at risk um yeah there, there's a whole like procedure that who have on health mer- workers who have come into contact with infected um risks yeah uh, lab workers are also risks uh risk why can i not speak today i think it's a thursday it's thursday evening. you know <laughs> um but also community engagement we'll talk more about the um Community engagement, Community engagement uh, burial practices, because I think this was a very big thing uh, during <laughs> during the the first Ebola outbreak. But a lot of the time, another health risk is like raising awareness of risk factors, protective measures, reducing the wildlife to human trans- transmission from infected fruit bats, monkeys, apes, forest antelopes, etc. All animals products um again reducing human to human transmission like crowded spaces mar- you know at market spaces that kind of stuff um a lot of outbreak containment measures posed by like the world health organization but a lot of it was surrounding like pregnancy uh, there was a lot of like um how do i say attention being brought to like the transmission particularly amongst pregnant women um yeah, I don't want to waffle on for too long, guys. So I'm happy to link articles and stuff to you. Yeah, go on.
0: Yep. So my final question is: mm. um, to minimise the risk of Ebola spreading across borders, mm. travel bans and quarantines were yeah, established yeah. yeah when the break um, when the outbreak happened. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on this? And also, do you think we should be Focusing on strengthening um, the, the health systems hmm. of these countries and addressing the actual conditions.
1: Well, thank you for your question. Uh, um, <laughs> co- interestingly enough, uh, there wasn't actually a travel ban during the Ebola crisis. What happened was um, countries with Ebola transmission were advised to begin exit screening Um at all international airports uh, land crossings and seaports for illness of for any illness of unknown origin uh that was consistent with like symptoms of ebola um and this wasn't just as well in uh like the countries that it, it was being transmitted in I, I remember going back to south africa screening um it was there in the states i know here after that health worker came they Heathrow were like (laughs) we're not getting that they brought in screening measures so whilst they were they might have been like travel restrictions there wasn't really like travel bans does that make sense like they weren't advised um and whilst screening was not like recommended countries that implemented any entry or exit screening were asked to share any like um lessons learned so as soon as it was declared a public health emergency of international concern a lot of countries were, were um very quick to respond and make implementations which is quite interesting because even though the transmission was so high local governments didn't act like for time it literally was the international um community in the form of uh humanitarian organizations, MSF, I know they were local um, in responding to these kind of things, which I don't know, man. What what do you think about that?
0: In terms of what MSF and these Mm. NGOs working Mm.
1: within,
0: Mm. um, I mean, they have their own agendas as in motives. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But I mean, on the ground, they do quite a lot of good work in terms of mobilizing, Mm -hmm. especially... If you compare the 2014 outbreak to the 2018 one in DRC, I mean, there's a lot of community engagement, especially uh, when using the experimental drug. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that because back in 2014, like I said, it, it was just fragmented. Like you would have MSF doing this. Yeah. Red Cross doing this. Yeah and there was two no key hub. players in it yeah exactly there was no hub where information was going to a hundred percent and that is probably why the who took quite some time to actually to declare a yeah.
1: uh, response a response to it what i would find interesting actually is if um if there was some sort of study on how countries mobilize as soon as like the public health of emergency is like declared because my thing is with china they they were already okay so even though like with the coronavirus they were quite secretive about it and then they realized like oh damn this is serious and they mobilized pretty quickly i mean yeah they did prior even to tedros being like hey guys this is pretty serious
0: for it to come out to the international organizations yeah china must have struggled because a hundred like they were they tried to hide it and i wouldn't say hide they tried To actually tackle the issue themselves, yeah. Without there was a
1: lot of concealment, I think, though, with how severe it was. Not per se hiding that there's a problem, just how the extent of the problem. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, Yeah. No, I agree with you. I I think there should be some sort. There might be a study. Actually, I'll have a look. (laughs) Um, But you, your second question was like, should we be focusing on health systems? Of course. Why do you think everyone is so worried about coronavirus entering Africa?
0: Because yeah, because health systems are not adequate enough to deal with normal conditions.
1: Yeah, and I think an actual outbreak. Yeah, the thing is vaccine. It's not even just the health system though; it's just primary care, basic essentials. Do you know what I mean? So that, yeah, that's why it's a bit funny. But anyways, I don't want to keep talking, even though I like the sound of my own voice. Um, Mohammed, we're moving on to the second part where I will ask you a few questions. But before I do so, let me land. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna preface and let me land. So I mean these are pretty much how we conceptualized with coronavirus. But do you do you think the way it's being approached in public health and more generally in like the media is, is fair or how it was approached sorry it was fair in in the way it targeted Africa and West Africans because okay before I even ask the question let me just pre. when I was about to go back to South Africa my colleague said to me she was like oh make sure you don't get Ebola and I'm yeah. I'm Southern African guys Ebola was in Western Africa I don't think I'm not aware of a case that of Ebola being in southern Africa. They might have been because South Africa does a lot of trade. But um yeah, that's the first thing. And the second thing was that, um, as we said with coronavirus, culture can often be seen as a source of health. And this is where I'm coming back to the burial practices. Yeah. So claims made by who during that time shifted the blame off the outbreak onto or seemed to shift the brain, let me not say that as an absolute, seemed to shift the brain onto the cultural and behavior practices. Um, and this was supported by a lot of epidemiological studies in global health, yeah. Um, this just echoed international sentiments, sorry, inter- sentiments made by international media outlets that reported reported similar findings and reinforced narratives. That West Africans in Sierra Leone Liberia and Guinea have their own beliefs to break to blame for the the extent of the outbreak um again this just amalgamated into a much larger narrative of mistrust, not just in the media but by academic step spaces frontline response teams, national health um ministries with which then established um or causality of ebola virus that completely seemed to ignore like social determinants of health um i'm sorry so like how do you think this was like weaponized in this context compared to like the coronavirus now you can talk
0: (laughs) i mean it's quite complex because at the same time it was similar western media looking at A disease and Mm -hmm. attaching it to a culture or a region in the world. Yeah. So that was one aspect where the coronavirus and Ebola were quite similar. Yeah. But the difference was in the Ebola case, there wasn't any media from uh, external media defending West Africa. Right.
1: Okay. So
0: there wasn't that much information. Okay. Whereas in China, you've seen a lot of positive feedback especially with the with them building a hospital in a couple of days yeah things like that kind of help
1: to frame media respond exactly. okay
0: whereas with when Ebola was happening I mean that image stuck like you wouldn't go holidays to these countries forget forget those countries
1: other sides of Africa yeah Kenya Kenya had (laughs) completely other side yeah
0: exactly so i mean the framing was important in that sense because africa as a continent wasn't able to defend itself in the same way
1: right i think it's very important that you've said that actually because i was thinking about it today like do you think that's just because of how africa is viewed anyways like in this global health space like you know it's a continent that's still grappling with infectious diseases unlike the west or asian continents where NCDs are kind of come becoming so. NCDs are just non-communicable diseases, guys. Stuff like mental health, obesity, etc. Those kind of stuff. Whereas Africa, we're still dealing with the big ones. You know, your your HIV, your um, malaria, your m- pneumonia. Like, do you think it's literally just because we're still dealing with infectious diseases? This happens. It's just like, oh, it's Africa being Africa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: it's it's a region tied to just the burden of disease right and it, to many outsiders it was just another oh it's another disease it's yeah another outbreak um which was quite different in the corona virus case. yeah and also just um the idea of the west helping africa mm. get better yeah or helping them deliver resources or aid to try and actually combat the disease mm-hmm. which isn't happening in china the only form of information that is being disseminated between China and the West is information and research. Right. You would you're not seeing NGOs go to China to mm-hmm. report on cases or help or even give out experimental vaccines
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is which was happening in Africa. Right. So there's also that power dynamic
1: Okay. Oh, That's so interesting that you say that. Uh, I read an article, actually, a couple of days ago. Um, some academic on Twitter posted it, and I was like, ooh, let me be smart and read this. But I was actually very annoyed when I read it because they kind of used a word that, that I saw being used a lot uh, during the Ebola crisis, super spreader. I don't oh, know if you okay. saw that. yeah, that took um, momentum again. Yeah, um, so basically... Um, super spreader just concluded that like a lot of the cultural stuff we mentioned before uh, was to do so like for example people 20% of super spreaders so people participating in like burial practices were the reason for like 80% of the cases Um, and like the use of the why I really don't like this word is like it reinforces um, a paradigm that's like it, it doesn't scrutinise stru- more structural like uh, issues with for example like wars or um, poverty uh, gender in comparison to like singling out specific communities with specific behaviours and practices for like the sp- the super spreading of this crisis does yeah, that make sense? Exactly. I'm sorry guys if that doesn't make sense
0: yeah it's almost like a double victimisation Right. on one hand individuals already suffering from the disease right on the other hand there's stigma of him spreading this disease because of what he believes in potentially or
1: his cultural Cultural practice. right right um thoughts (laughs) like because i saw it being used in the context of china and i was just like oh this is interesting but also this is a bit pants
0: (laughs) i mean it was being used by like news outlets like sky and bbc but I saw a lot of global health uh, commentators Use actually it. correcting people yeah. and saying, "Okay, this isn't right. Um, it's again, it's culturally sensitive. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't bring awareness. Right, it actually scares and creates a crisis. Yeah, and fear as well. Yeah, fear which is the worst
1: thing that you can have. 100%, in hundred percent outbreak. A hundred percent. I think fear mongering and misinformation are like they even make or break epidemics. Yeah, they're personally. the drivers of what
0: happens. Yeah,
1: a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, my next question is on health campaigns. Like, I was quite interested in the way health campaigns were handled with Ebola. I don't know if it's just the nature of Africans or black people in general. Like, everything is sometimes a joke to us, right? Yeah because i remember when ebola came out they made a song about it like there was all these like jokes going around on whatsapp you must have caught them what's up memes as well loads of memes like how how do you think health campaigns should should have managed something like this because ebola was was real like do you know what i mean i mean they did get like huge singers to to like make songs about it and mobilize communities and like um hand practices and all that if i could remember the song i'd sing it for you guys but i actually can't uh <laughs> on, i can't on. i generally can't remember it um but how do you think like how do you think health campaigns should like minimize this like if we're thinking in hindsight
0: i think like i like i always say when it comes to either vaccines uh diseases um mobilizing and using social media mm-hmm. to your advantage is always the key oh because yeah because even in africa mm-hmm. the point of contact for most people where most people get information knowledge is through social media right. through whatsapp through tech so by incorporating your message and your campaign into these mediums then you can definitely send a message say f- say for example the burial scenario practices, where practices right. Where it's a culturally sensitive thing, right? You could, you could basically involve community leaders, right? Faith-based organizations, uh-huh. or even just local members of the community. community and yeah. Get them together and say, okay. I mean, we get that this is part of your culture, right? But it, it's a risk factor as well. At the same time, a hundred percent. Instead of saying, okay, no, you're you're bar- you're barbaric. Like this is very backdated. Yeah. I mean, they didn't say that, but I mean, they <laughs> implied. <Sorry. laughs> So. No,
1: it's definitely implied. I think if you read a lot of like the global health research from that time, what I think it lacked was working with, A, local researchers in those communities, anthropologists, again, from those communities who understood what it was and were not r- writing for the West. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, what are your thoughts on the way, like, the African governments reacted to the West African governments let me say in the region of Sierra Leone, Liberia, Guinea the main regions affected how they reacted to the outbreak of Ebola and are currently reacting to corona I mean we kind of spoke about this last week that there is a lot of talk about our health systems not being well equipped for health epidemics so like what what do you, why do you think this is
0: I mean in the case of Ebola in 2014 mm. I think the governments were slow and uncoordinated. Yeah. In similar fashion to the World Health Organization they never knew their roles. So right. And that is a find there's always research on this that WHO hmm. doesn't know its conventional like uh, objectives. Right. And where it should cross the line so Right, okay. At the same time governments in especially in Africa do not know when they should be doing the initiatives themselves instead of relying on um, agencies like the WHO.
1: Okay. So you think it's not having that clear defined um, uh, measure of like accountability, like we do this until this, and then from that point on, who does this?
0: Exactly. So, yeah, Mm. often you'd see initiatives... Sorry. Sorry. You'd see initiatives being... Out by WHO, right. which should be sent out by the Ministry of Health of the country, mm-hmm. and again that also takes away WHO's autonomy because it's meant to be doing a whole different job of safeguarding and being a steward for global health, right? Instead right. Instead of doing small, small-scale interventions, interventions, where the governments can actually do. So what? that is probably okay. one, one way, one reason w- that the governments were also to blame. But obviously again they did not have the resources and that could be understandable. Mm-hmm. They did not have the resources to combat
1: well like funding and stuff. Funding. Right, okay. So
0: even just there wasn't a vaccine. So even Right, okay. and and it all stems down back to having the manpower mm. as well as vaccines as well as coordination. Mm. And in order to respond to an outbreak quickly, you need to have all these factors. And all these determinants, right? Not just have one and then miss the others, okay. But, but in particular, what uh, contemporary times like the DRC mm-hmm. Ebola crisis. I think WHO stepped up because right. the experimental vaccines that were actually happening mm-hmm. in real life. Mm-hmm. And this was quite different because this happened in a conflict zone. And right, that brings a whole different yeah, dimension. A hundred percent. So it was in. Yeah, it was on. It was in where was that where did it happen it happened in kivu so right the mm -hmm, kivu province exactly it happened there and that was where um health professionals like msf and um all these ngos couldn't actually have access to individuals with the right 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 so then the whole element of military comes in and then we can unpack that a bit more that'll take a whole episode yo
1: i've got to say like you really want to go into drc war Exactly. (laughs) but um okay my penultimate question is how do you think people like as individuals again i said this with the corona how do you think we can contribute in minimizing the lack of cultural sensitivity surrounding ebola virus disease like again thinking in hindsight because obviously before a lot of wild stuff was said and we we saw a lot of wild stuff. We read a lot of wild case studies, like how how yeah, how. <laughs>
0: probably, I'd probably say by managing misinformation. Yeah, because that is one of the leading causes of just conflict, and mm. ter- like conflict of knowledge, mm. even that adds to starting false rumors. Yeah, false.
1: Do you know stereotypes? Do you know what I found out this week? The World Health Organization have a team in their comms team that just sits and like goes through like social media and stuff and they like disprove. Is that a word? Oh, just start Twitter fights. Yeah, literally. They're just like, lol, this is wrong. L- and I've obviously they do it in a more like professional and academic way. But I read that and I was like, what? Where do I uh, sign up? <laughs> I mean, yeah, That's kind of cool, isn't it? That is. But does it work? clearly not if people you've you've been
0: in a twitter debate a couple of times yeah (laughs) you think it's gonna work
1: no clearly not the way people get information is different the language they use will be different every time people find ways around it you know and i think it's not just stuff like twitter facebook anymore you need to look into forums now stuff like reddit
0: oh reddit that is um quite insane
1: absolutely the threads on anyways we're not here to talk about reddit what were you saying social media disproving uh, yeah. rumors yep
0: and also as individuals just especially within the health global health community mm-hmm. just de- deconstructing like myths and also trying to actually share these and like because we get a lot of non-global health students or even people come to us and tell us okay what does this mean yeah Is this fine can we joke about this yeah it's appropriate yeah and just i yeah, think i mean sitting down and not telling people off but actually understanding it, yeah just talking to them a about
1: it 100% and what in you saying that as well I think for people who do actually do global health like um the research that you do you need to interrogate the language that you're using like super spreader. out just because she's seen that in an article I was shocked when I saw it on yeah the news, like, yeah I was like what yeah you need to interrogate why you're using that why you think it's okay how you talk about um communities how you interact with them if you're not native or indigenous to those communities why are you even writing about them if you're anyways that's a whole other story um yeah just there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff uh any anything else i mean
0: what do you think uh, what what should we do as individuals as well like what do you think we should what do we should what should we consider <laughs> sorry i'm losing my english today as well fighting it what should we what should we consider as individuals um, when it comes to just
1: i think what you said was fair enough i mean i just wanted to ask you one last question okay well. and that's literally just bringing it to the current um crisis that's ongoing in drc so like you know we've spoken about what happened before what could have been done what should have been done but like with this ongoing crisis the one that started in 2018 um where does the responsibility lie again i ask you this corona does it lie with governments does it lie with international communities because i think why yes the 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 outbreak in congo is very precarious but also they're just recovering from a war, like on and off, on and off. They're in a war context, basically. What? How do you navigate that? Go. I think
0: you can't really <laughs> blame anyone. It's more or less just going through each obstacle, mm-hmm. so each problem that you see. So it's a conflict zone. The NGOs or the health workers need military assistance to carry right. out right. because like, health health centres have been firebombed. Attacked, yeah. So they can't do their jobs, right? So you can understand military, right? But then also the whole idea of military, especially Western military, yeah, in these countries, like their presence, former colonial yeah. ties. So yeah, I mean, he said that colonial
1: is, guys. He's setting me off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So that itself is a problem, but you can't just have one lens. You can't gaze it through one lens. You yeah, hundred percent. Okay, okay. The military's here because for a reason, and also military. The military helps in terms of. Like transporting these vaccines, testing. Some of the military are trained to also give out.
1: Well, as health workers, health workers. Right. exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: But then again, there's also the issue of just one issue that we don't, we really don't look at is how gendered this is. Oh, go and, on.
1: You had me at gendered. Go on. And how the most of the burden
0: is put on women, from, as the, always, from the beginning. Women are trash.
1: I'm, g- I'm sorry. <laughs> from the beginning, go on. And
0: just from burial to the burial cer- what, 100%? ceremonies, one hundred percent, which increases their risk mm-hmm. to them losing out education mm-hmm. and being for them also um, having problems in terms of just staying in school because of these outbreaks, mm-hmm. and also pregnancy miscarriage, all these hap- all these things happening within the context of the outbreak, right. And then you look at the bigger picture, then you look at global health as a, as a, whole, a whole, and you look yeah. at how gendered that is. Men <sighs> who are actually the stakeholders who set these policies. Yeah. Who are...
1: They're heads, the ones at the heads, top, at the tables. Heads of committees in yeah. WHO. And we are the ones doing global health. Yeah. Yeah. So, I know.
0: Uh, I mean, there's really good articles on that, um on Ebola and the gendered... Perspective, yeah, which is quite interesting, Uh and also there's a similar one with Zika as well. Yeah, recommend that. But yeah, I think
1: is that it. it. Yeah. Oh, we have a lot more to talk about. We actually wanted one of our favorite lecturers, Ann Kelly. She agreed to do a special app for us, which will release in the coming weeks. I know it won't be on the same theme, but who cares? It won't. (laughs) It. I mean, because Ann
0: Kelly has done so much research no no
1: it will still be on ebola but we will just oh, have be on. oh yeah theme. definitely okay come on sir yeah. but um yeah but who cares we're just gonna release it either way and you guys can enjoy it but um what are we talking about next week mohammed
0: what are you talking
1: about we're talking zika. about zika zika i actually don't know much about zika i
0: mean we will learn a lot yeah
1: <laughs> so putting together a brief will be fun but yeah guys as always questions comments send it through And yeah, thank you, Mohammed.
0: Thank you.